0: the financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech,
1: and much more. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Toronto Centre podcast. I'm Shalina Visram, Programme Director with Toronto Centre. In today's podcast, we will reflect on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on women, including women in financial supervision and regulation. I have the pleasure of speaking with Carol Holyhan, Gender Advisor with Toronto Centre. Carol is a consultant specializing in gender equality and organizational change, policy development, and governance. Over the past 30 years, she has worked with a range of international clients to build capacity in gender analysis, gender strategy development, gender-aware policymaking, and communication and education campaigns. In addition to Toronto Centre, her other clients include African and Caribbean Development Banks, Global Affairs Canada, the Aga Khan Foundation Canada, and many more. Welcome, Carol, it is a pleasure to see you again. Thank you, Shalina, it's a pleasure to be here. That's great, thank you very much. Uh, So let's get started, a lot to cover today. What has been, from your perspective, the impact on women globally of the COVID-19 pandemic?
0: Well, globally, COVID-19 has had a devastating impact on women and progress towards gender inequality. In most countries, the impact of COVID was not only a public health crisis, but also an economic crisis with a disproportionate impact on the most marginalized people. It exacerbated social and economic exclusions and the discrimination experienced by people with disabilities and those living in extreme poverty. The impacts were especially acute for women and girls who face barriers to employment, health, education, shelter, and food security. I think the COVID-19 pandemic has widened inequality. In addition, we saw that women's traditional roles as caregivers in both the family and the community increased their share of unpaid care work. Of course, this includes women who work in the financial sector. UN Women estimates that COVID 19 will likely push an additional 47 million women and girls into extreme poverty and further widen the gender poverty gap. UN studies uh, from 16 countries found that women have done 29% more childcare per week than men during the pandemic. So the challenge now as we move into the post COVID period is to focus on rebuilding the social, political, and economic systems in ways that empower women and protect us all.
1: Yeah, those, those uh, statistics are a little bit worrisome. So then let's move to sort of financial inclusion then. So what has been the impact of the pandemic on women's financial inclusion? We know that the global FINDEX gender gap between the men and women persistently remains at an average of nine percentage points.
0: Yes, I think you're correct there. It's important to keep in mind that women constitute two-thirds of the world's remaining unbanked population. Uh, Yet, perhaps paradoxically, the COVID-19 pandemic presents opportunities to push for greater financial inclusion. For example, there was progress in opening accounts to make government-to-person payments for social protection during COVID. Globally, it's estimated that about 477 million new social protection digital accounts were opened over the last two years, including 262 million accounts for women. About 80 million women opened their first account to receive government payments during the pandemic. And these new accounts represent a promising path to financial services that can support savings and productive investments for women who have been excluded. Key players in the financial sector, including financial supervisors and regulators, believe the pandemic has had several positive results for women in terms of financial inclusion. These include um, one heightened awareness of financial exclusions impact on gender equality, increased investment in digital infrastructure and tools, And thirdly, it sparked an increase in digital payments and new accounts, including among millions of women, and laid the groundwork for new opportunities to achieve women's financial inclusion. Of course, what's important is that the women continue to use these accounts because research in some countries has shown that um, after women stop receiving social protection payments, they stop using the accounts. In addition, favorable regulatory environments and good supervisory practices have enabled significant innovation in mobile transfer services in various countries, giving rise to an entire digital financial services ecosystem, which offers savings, insurance, local and international money transfers, payments and credit services on mobile money platforms to both individuals and corporate entities. And research has also shown in many countries, women are the main recipients of international money transfers. So important progress has been made uh, if we can keep it going.
1: Yeah, indeed. And it's very encouraging to see that a lot of the gains that were made on financial inclusion, financial education, financial literacy before COVID, you know, kind of set the stage to be able to come out of the COVID a little bit more easily with uh, some of that legwork done already, particularly uh, anything relating to digitizing and technology use. So definitely very encouraging. On the UN women's side, uh, it's again encouraging to see that UN women are calling their post-COVID strategy, Building for Resilience. How can women's financial inclusion support women's economic empowerment and a sustainable recovery?
0: Well, um, we know that women continue to be hard hit by the fallout of the pandemic. And of course, poorest women have been hit hardest Um, because they typically earn less, have fewer savings and hold uh, less secure jobs. To begin with, women are particularly susceptible to economic shocks in general. Across all regions, women have been more likely to drop out of the labor force during the pandemic. And of course, the majority of employed women, about 58%, it's estimated, work in the informal sector with few or no worker protection. In addition, the pandemic has devastated what we call feminized sectors like hospitality, tourism and retail, depriving many women of their livelihood. And from what we're hearing, things are are slow to get back to where they were before the pandemic. For women to thrive, and especially poor women, they need access to financial services that enable them to take advantage of economic opportunities, access essential services for themselves and their families, and build sustainable resilience to shocks such as COVID. During COVID, Toronto Centre presented a series of webinars called Building Back Better, which focused on how financial supervision can better support achieving the sustainable development goals. One way is to leverage this historical moment to expand women's access to a range of financial services. And I think that um, we heard some of these suggestions and ideas during the uh, Toronto Centre webinars. Uh, And It's important that these meet the needs beyond government transfers uh, and include working with the private sector and non-governmental organizations, microfinance institutions, to look at savings, loans, insurance, remittances, and more.
1: Yeah, and uh, and just building on your comments about the series of uh, webinars that Toronto Center uh, had uh, done during COVID, there were a lot of Toronto Center notes that were prepared to help, particularly financial supervisors and regulators, you know, to strengthen their toolkit to uh, be able to be more effective supervisors and regulators in this area of emerging risks. What are some of the actions that can be taken to increase women's financial inclusion? And specifically here, speaking to our audience, financial supervisors and regulators.
0: Well, Shalina, you're the expert in that area, but as a, as a gender specialist, I would say that we need to use the opportunities presented by the pandemic to find targeted strategies to address uh, barriers that we know about that are blocking women's financial inclusion and we need to support women's participation in the growing digital economy. And we're seeing that all around the world. Some key steps supervisors and regulators can support. I've, uh, I've got four of them that I have in mind. One is addressing the gaps in phone ownership, internet connectivity, and the cost of using financial services. Today, women in low and middle income countries are 7% less likely than men to own a phone, a mobile phone, and 15% less likely to access the internet through a phone. So connectivity is extremely important. The second thing is supporting women's basic literacy and numeracy, uh, digital and financial literacy and awareness of how to open accounts to increase women's confidence to use financial services. And the issue of literacy is extremely important because if women don't understand how to use the phones, they're often passing opening accounts and passing the phone off to a family member, and they then don't have control over those resources. The third is enhancing supervisory approaches to facilitate the design of innovative financial service for women's needs and to ensure strong consumer protection. And finally, addressing common gender norms that impedes women's financial inclusion, including making men aware of the benefits that women have of being financial customers Many uh, private sector companies think that the men are the main clients, but it's important to realize that women have limited financial independence and that poor women are, um, can be profitable customers. For example, uh, you know, working uh, pairing proportional and gender-sensitive risk-based supervision can allow for new ways to support financial inclusion by tailoring the rules and intensity of supervision proportionate to the risks identified. Toronto Centre programming aims to help regulators to foster financial inclusion and promote gender equality and to address a gender gap in access to financial services that has been heightened by COVID-19. Furthermore, Toronto Centre has developed some excellent resources to support supervisors and has taken a um, a cutting edge approach in in the development of these resources. These include a toolkit on how regulators use sex disaggregated data and RegTech to enhance financial inclusion and better understand the market. And there's also another toolkit on how supervisors and regulators can streamline their work by SupTech, RegTech, which is the digitalization of supervisory work to be more effective.
1: And then in terms of some final thoughts, anything uh, from our conversation uh, you'd like to add to sort of reinforce some of the takeaways for our listeners? Yeah.
0: I think that we need to always be very aware that the COVID pandemic has affected different groups of women in all parts of the world differently. And we need to use the lessons learned to ensure that the underlying causes of gender inequality in the different contexts remain squarely on the table. So that policymakers in in all institutions and at all levels take action to address the causes of gender inequality in their areas of responsibility. Supervisors are actively doing their part to anticipate and address crises as they arise in their countries and around the world. And supervisors play an important role in ensuring that financial systems are stable and healthy and ready to meet the needs of all citizens, especially during times of crisis.
1: Carol, it was great to talk with you. I learned a lot. Uh, Your perspective is uh, highly valuable. Because you work with so many international uh, clients that uh, this very much, uh, I'm sure, will resonate with our audience. So thank you very much for your time. You've been listening to the Toronto Centre podcast. Thank you for joining us.